Good morning. I so enjoy that last song we did. I was telling my son last week, uh, that's like the astronomer's worship song. And uh, since he wants to uh, study astrophysics, I said, this is like your song. Uh, we are, we're actually finishing up today in uh, looking at, at social media and uh, from a Christian worldview. And uh, the idea today is that we're kind of looking at a test case on how what we might do online, on social media, how that affects uh, how we represent Christ. And then before I get to that, I, I don't think I can talk about social media without talking about cyberbullying. I realized I hadn't really talked about that at all. And so just wanted to, to just bring it up. So what is it, right? Cyberbullying is the use of technology to harass, threaten, embarrass, or target another person. Online Threats and mean, aggressive, or rude tweets, uh, texts, posts, or messages, those, those all count. And so does posting personal information, pictures, videos designed to hurt or embarrass someone. In December of uh, 2022, Pew Research released a report, uh, Teens and Cyberbullying, and uh, where they found that nearly half of U.S. teens had been bullied or harassed online, with physical appearance being seen as a uh, relatively common reason why. So they were focused, they're being bullied based on the way they looked. Older teen girls were especially likely to report being targeted online for abuse overall because of their appearance. The most commonly reported behavior in the survey was name-calling, with 32% of teens saying that they had been called an offensive name online or on their cell phone. And then smaller shares said they had false rumors reported uh, or had been sent explicit information that they didn't ask for. And cyberbullying uh, is, is such an issue, but it's not limited to young people. I, I mentioned this to a couple people last week that, that uh, I, I watched my, um, the crime page online in my neighborhood. And I often see people, they'll, they'll bring up a question of something that, you know, kind of, hey, is this a crime? It's just a really easy question. And, uh, you know, is it legal to sell food from the sidewalk or who do I call about a car that seems to be abandoned that's a parked, parked on my street, right? I mean, just fairly easy questions that someone could just chime in with an answer. And uh, then I watched the comments because it seems like there should only be one comment under that, right, with the answer. Yet there's like 75 comments within two minutes. And I'm like, what just happened? And there'll be comments like, mind your own business. Or people are just trying to get by. Leave them alone. 
Or, or who are you to judge their car? I always think that one's funny. Uh, that shows you the neighborhood I live in, I guess. <laughs> or it's just kids trying to have fun. You were a kid once too. Didn't you ever do that? And, and yes, the one that comes up most often, it was fireworks, not gunfire. Because <laughs> there's always somebody asking, did you hear it? Was it gunfire? Uh, and so... With all of that in mind, sin is a reality. So bullying happens in real life and online. So you need to be prepared. So what do we do about cyberbullying? I I really thought about this. I just keep it really simple. First of all, it's always a responsible responsibility of parents to keep their kids safe. Uh, Right, I've got two older kids and then a younger one, and the older ones, hopefully they, they are a little better equipped, but we are constantly telling the young one, first of all, there's no reason for you almost ever to be online. Uh, and if so, you need to do it with one of us sitting right there. And, and that it is so easy to be a target For the same reasons that we've talked about the last few weeks, there is that sense of anonymity that happens online. And so people will come at you thinking their their identity is protected. There's even ways to make comments that are anonymous. And, And then, by the way, no matter what you say, if you do that, then everyone, of course, what do you have to be anonymous? It's like, because of you. That's the reason. Uh. And so, and so we kind of say all of that, right? Responsibility of parents to protect children. And if you're the one being bullied, then you need to talk to someone that can help, right? Get the help that you, you need. And, and things like we talked about dealing with trolls, blocking them, um, ignoring them, turning off comments, things like that. And this isn't even to mention the online predators, right? That, the, and, and, which is a huge issue. So, uh, I do want to take a little bit of time then to look at a case study. And so this is from the book of Acts. And I want to see what it may have to say about online and social media activity. Now, you might go, well, wait a minute. In the book of Acts, it, it talks about online and social media activity. Well, specifically about how our reputation affects what goes on around us and our ability to function as a productive member of the church, as uh, in our jobs, families, and so on. So this is in uh, the book of Acts chapter nine. And uh, I'm going to, this is going to be a longer passage that I'll read. So uh, you could follow along. They'll be shorter after this. Trust me. Uh, So verse one, but Saul still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, capital W, those are the Christians. Men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. 
and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you're to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Hearing the voice, but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground. And although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. And he led them, so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, I like that, but Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. The Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. All right. So it's a longer passage. We read about Saul's behavior. See, these aren't lies and rumors about Saul. This is what Saul actually did. He had, a, he had letters from the high priest that he could go in. And if someone was a Christian, he could arrest them. Haul them back to Jerusalem. It says bound, tied up. These are the actual things that Saul did. And those actual things have consequences. Just like Saul, first of all, what you do and say will establish your reputation. Now, there will always be things that people believe about you that aren't true. There's only so much you can do about that. But your reputation will, in fact, establish, or your actions will establish your reputation. For Saul, he believed he was serving God, right? By rounding up heretics, by arresting Christians, he believed he was doing what God wanted. But Saul found out the truth. Verse 1 says he was breathing out threats and murder. Depending on your translation, he was breathing out murderous threats. How important is that reputation? Ananias' response was, hold on, I've heard about him. That what Saul would do moving forward from that point there would always be that shadow of what he had done. The reputation that he was someone that might very well arrest you, haul you to Jerusalem, and we, we didn't read it this time, but when Stephen was stoned, 
He was the one standing over giving approval. So how important is your reputation today? Proverbs 22.1, it says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. Your online activity can have repercussions for the rest of your life. One study found that 67% of employers screen job applicants' social media activity. That percentage is only going to increase over time. Imagine that you don't get the job because you're sharing an article that the company believes that doesn't fit our corporate image. Right? There's something that you say online that when they read it, they're like, can't hire that guy. And that you might have years before shared something, said something, interacted in some way that on that day they're like, can't hire him. She's not going to fit in here. See, that's the way that building that reputation can affect what goes on. Proverbs 10, 7, the memory of the righteous, the memory, I'm I'm using that in place of reputation. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Your name, your reputation matters. Think about someone you know that's passed, passed away. This was really helpful to me this week. I was thinking about that someone that I knew their reputation, they had passed away. What did I think of them? I recalled my friend, Danny, Danny McGinnis. Uh, Danny came to my church uh, and he, he, he came and he said, you know, I, I, I want to serve. I want to help. I believe God has brought me here to help you pastor, whatever you need. Wow. I appreciate that. I wish I had a whole church full of people that said that Danny would wear a red shirt every day and carry a red Bible every day. And he he would often tell people when they would comment on his shirt or his Bible, he would ask them, do you have a red Bible? And he goes, I don't mean the color red. I mean, is it R E A D? You need to read your Bible. (laughs) And people got used to him saying that. I'll always remember his support for me and our church. But most of all, he took every opportunity to tell people about Jesus. When Danny passed away, his wife uh, said, of course, pastor, we want you to do the service. We did the service out at uh, Riverside National Cemetery. And, And it was just an interesting experience as it always is out there. You're on this really tight time crunch and there's uh, military honors and, and it's, it's very impressive. And, and the only responsibility I had, I knew that I had from Danny, I had to tell people about Jesus because that's what Danny would have done. You see, Danny's reputation Today, I guarantee it's not just uh, what I think of Danny. It's what other people think of Danny. 
His reputation today is one of righteousness. But if Danny was here today, he could tell you all the things that had gone on in his life that he was embarrassed about. Things that he was ashamed were a part of his life. And yet, that's not what I think of Danny. I think of Danny and his willingness to serve the Lord. The memory of the righteous is a blessing. That's what we want people to think of us. Because of what we do, that our reputation will be one that is honorable and a blessing. 1 Peter 2.12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see the good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There will be a point where even people that aren't a part of the church, they've said things about you, they've, they've thought things about you, yet when that day comes where they're reminded of you, they'll go, you know what? He was a good guy. He always worked hard. He was truthful. You see, but there's a lot of things that we do that get in the way of that. There was a a guy at my church. He was really mad at me. I never found out why. Literally, it was one Sunday. He was just really mad at me. Danny walked up and he says, Pastor, I got it. Okay. And Danny left and he pulled the guy aside. I never found out why the guy was mad. But he came back to me and apologized. Said, you know... I didn't realize some things. There were things I thought I knew had gone on and they did it. And he didn't even say, Danny straightened me out. But you know what? Danny straightened him out. And he did it with love and and respect. You see, that's what matters. It's that reputation, that, that history of what you've done. That matters. Your reputation will have effect on your future, right? So the things that you've done in the past do affect where you go from here. Saul's reputation caused him problems with Ananias. Ananias said, I don't think so. I would have said, when God first said, Steve, I would have went, excuse me, who's talking? Ananias is like, yes, Lord, he's in right away. It's only when he hears Saul's name that he's like, I don't know. I don't think so. In fact, Saul's reputation caused him problems with the church in Jerusalem, not just in Damascus. Ananias met with Saul because God told him to. But it wasn't until Barnabas came and got Saul and took him to the apostles that they were even willing to meet with him. Right? Because they all knew, Saul, really? I don't think so. He's going to arrest us all. But Barnabas, called the son of encouragement, said, you know what, Saul? 
I believe in you. And he took Saul to the apostles. And they were willing to hear. Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than precious ointment in the day of de- on the day of death than the day of birth. Uh, it means that your name matters so much. It's better than something that might be of great value. Your reputation will affect your job prospects, but more importantly, your relationships, right? The things you do, the things you say will affect the people around you. Paul taught Timothy the importance of a positive reputation for those who would lead in the church. You might say, well, I don't necessarily want to be a pastor, an elder, a leader in the church. Yet this is the goal for every believer to ascribe to, right? This is what we're supposed to do. This is what he writes to Timothy, chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, starting in verse 2. He says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, meaning there's no rumors. There's no reputation from the past that's getting in the way. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. There is a pretty clear connection between actions and reputation. What others think of the church because of how they think of you. How people outside the church think of you is how they think of the church. This isn't just saying, well, okay, Timothy, if you're going to be a leader, how you act matters. This is a statement for every believer. How you act, what you do matters. Because how people think of you, they think of the church. How did Paul go from Saul breathing out murderous threats to being qualified to be an apostle? Right? What was it that changed? You might notice it started off, we called him um, Saul. Right? That was his Hebrew name. And his Hebrew name all along is what he's recognized. And all of a sudden, something changed, and then he goes by his Greek name. Appreciate uh, Luke writing the book of Acts because it's, they, were, they were his names. He would probably go by both of them depending on the people he was talking to. But for our benefit, we see something incredible happen where he went from Saul to Paul, the apostle. What changed? Well, a few things changed. Probably the biggest thing that changed was time. It took time, 
right? His reputation over time changed. It wasn't an overnight thing. But wait a minute. Didn't something incredible happen to Saul that was instantaneous? Absolutely, right? We get this image. I didn't read it, but we get this image that when Ananias goes and he lays his hand on him and he prays for him, something like scales fall from his eyes and he's able to see. And then it says he spends time with the believers and he spends time in the temple courts proving that Jesus is the son of God. Something incredible happened instantly in Saul's life. But that wasn't enough for everyone to trust him. It wasn't enough. If it had stopped there, we would have went, wow, what a great story. And that was it. But we have book after book in the New Testament written by Paul. We have church after church being started by his missionary journeys. Because it didn't end there. So what else happened? The time, the calling, his change of heart. And most important, God can give you a reboot on your reputation. You see, what is established in your history does affect what goes on now. But God can reboot your reputation. Now, this is good news. Because if you're like every other human being on the planet, you've messed up. And, there, and if there was no reboot, if there was no hope, there would definitely be things in your past that tarnish your reputation and affect your ministry. And affect you being able to represent the church well. Why? Because all of us have blown it. Right? We've all messed up. And if there was no hope, then there would be no hope. But because God can reboot our reputation, we can move forward with hope. It's only through the redemptive work of the Lord in Saul's life that his reputation is no longer the same. Meaning today. Saul's reputation today isn't the same as it would be if God didn't redemptively work in his life. Remember, it's the same guy who went by his Hebrew name, Saul, when he stood over Stephen being stoned to death. And scripture records, he gave approval. Now, I have really messed up in my life, but I've never stood there and, and nodded my head and went along with a stoning. Saul did. In Acts, it's recorded he gave his approval, not just, eh, if you're going to do it, go for it. No, he approved of it. And that's the same man that we remember today as the Apostle Paul. Why? Well, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. This is in his second letter, starting in verse, uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 16. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. As in, we don't regard them according to sin. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him 
thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you want to understand that verse better, know that Saul, whom we call Paul, wrote it. When he says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, that is Paul going, that's me. There's a reason he actually writes things like, I am the worst of sinners. Now look, I'm bad, but I'd never say I'm the worst sinner. Paul understood from what he had been saved, right? Because all kinds of things that he had been a part of that he regretted. Yet God had made him a new creation. This is true of everybody in Christ. A new creation justified and redeemed, but still in a process of sanctification. Remember, so for Paul, we kind of get this, this picture. All of a sudden, God saved him, right? In this miraculous way, with the light, with the voice, the prayer of Ananias, the scales falling away. And then Paul, he runs out and he's telling people about Jesus and planting churches. And, and, and then you miss the point in the book of Acts that this happens over years, decades. It takes time. There is a process of sanctification as we grow in faith that is essential it doesn't happen instantaneously where you all of a sudden are as holy as god sees you because what god sees is christ and him crucified in your life so because we're in a process of sanctification, it means we keep messing up. Romans 8, 1 and 2, again, Paul writing, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. He means you're freed instantly. You are freed from the consequence of sin. But we keep messing up. If we read other verses, Paul, you could hear it in his words. He's like, look, the things I don't want to do, I keep doing. The things that I want to do, I don't do. And in frustration, who can save me from this body of death? But even in light of that, thankfully, there is no condemnation. Because we are justified by grace through faith. This is the good news. That's the gospel. In Christ, we can believe, repent, and be saved. There is no longer any condemnation. But what we, uh, but what do we need? We need a restart. We need to repent. We apologize to those we offend and we trust God. That's what he promises. That if we believe in faith and we repent, he is faithful to forgive. And so we have hope.
if maybe some of the things that I talked about today, you're like, you know what, that's where I'm at today. Then the incredible thing is you don't have to go through a 10-part class, pass each level in order to be saved. What God's word says is if you believe, right, you acknowledge your sin, he will forgive you. He is faithful. And so repentance is the key. You don't need to tell me. You need to tell God. God, I admit it. I've messed up. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And he promises that he will. If that's something you need to do today when we're praying, doing the next song, just take some time with God. God, please forgive me. Uh, Next steps that I have for you today, first of all, uh, I have a verse that you could memorize. Uh, If you've noticed, I've given you a verse each week. Uh, I I won't ask you to stand up and demonstrate, but uh, 1 Peter 2.12 would be an excellent one. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that they may speak against you. Uh, so that when they speak against you as an evildoer, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Uh, Another one, uh, another next step, commit to building and maintaining a reputation that honors Jesus. Think through, if I do this, how I'm behaving, what have I done? And uh, work to better your reputation in areas where you may have come up short. If you've made mistakes, which we all have, then you work to make that right. It means going to the people you've offended, going to the people you've, you've hurt and apologizing. That's how you honor God because uh, as much as God is faithful to forget our sins, what scripture says is he will remember them no more. The people sitting around you don't forget as easily. And so you make those relationships right. You go to them and say, look, I've really messed up and, and, and I trust God will forgive me, but, but I need you to as well. And I will do better moving forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you for your words in the book of Acts. That as you worked in Paul's life to redeem him, really to change his situation. That when he went from breathing out murderous threats to uh, writing most of the New Testament, proclaiming the good news to Jews and Gentiles alike, to be used as God told Ananias to uh, be an instrument to take the good news to uh, Gentiles, to kings. Father, we're grateful for that. Father, we're reminded that there are definitely areas in our life where we've come up short. We ask your forgiveness and for courage that we might make those right as well. Father, I want to pray for each one here. I think the last few weeks, what we've gone over, it's not easy stuff because it means possibly making some, some radical changes 
in what we do, in our behavior, in the time we spend online, in the way we interact and engage with others. Help us to be wise. Help us to conduct ourselves in a way that honors you. That when people think of us, we understand they think of this church. And most importantly, they think of you. So help us handle ourselves well in a way that honors you. Father, we thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.